This episode is brought to you by TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com is your all access to culture. Check out cultural merchandise like leggings, hats, mini boxing gloves, and bags. Also, t shirts like hip hop, nature, rock bands, reggae, and dark fantasy. Fast shipping worldwide. That's TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. Now, let's check out this episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this lady's been singing from the early 90s until right now. You heard hits from her on Penthouse, Shocking Vibes, and so much more. She is the Grammy Award-winning voice. You know we have in the building today? We have Twiggy in the building today. What's going on, my sister? Hey, Muscle. Guess what? I've been trying to build some muscles for a while now, and now I have muscles all to myself. How are all you? All to yourself. All to yourself. I'm amazing. And yourself? I am great. I'm great. Um, just a little tired, but I'm fine. Yeah. All right. First thing I got to say to you is Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. You understand? Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you, too. And... um. I hope it will be a wonderful year for you going forward. Definitely, I agree. All right. On this podcast, we like to go right from the beginning and bring it right up to 2022. So my first question for you is this. Where do you grow up in Jamaica? And what type of child were you? I grew up in the Adley Park region. Uh, and, um, you know, more of a not, not a rich lifestyle. But uh, we we were poor, but we grew up like middle class children. So uh, I I would say in general I was a good child. I lacked for nothing, you know. I I went to you know some of the best schools, and I had a good childhood. Uh, very shy, very shy, but it was all about schoolwork and stuff, and you know just going to church and. Just being a good child overall. Good to go. And growing up, what do you think you were going to get into or what do you think you were going to be growing up? I really thought I was going to be, uh, well, maybe at that age, I thought I was going to be a nurse or a doctor or maybe an ear hostess. You know, everybody used to want to be ear hostess back then. <laughs> now they call them flight attendants, but ear hostess was our word at the time. Yeah, but um, also I, I know... You know, since growing up a little and, and get a little older now, I know that I have a law. I think I have a law thing in me. So even now, I still want to go study law. But, you know, when I was younger, it was always like nurse, doctor, and the whole works. The, the typical stuff that a lot of black people look up to, which is doctor, lawyer, accountant, nurse, those type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You understand? Okay, so then this is the one. When did you discover your voice or even discover music? Since, since I was like maybe age five or so, I knew I always liked to look in the mirror and sing like Bob, um, uh, Michael Jackson, um, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, you know, Tina Marie, uh, quite a few people. And, you know, I used to go to church and even as a, little baby I was involved in the church choir and not only the baby choir but the grown people choir 
So, you know, I knew from that time that I, you know, that I could sing, that I could, you know, I, I loved singing. Yeah. Okay. So then now you're in church, you like singing, you're young and everything. So then growing up, did you enter any talent competitions or anything where you started to actually groom your voice? Actually, no. Because as I said before, I was a very shy child. So even though I knew I could sing and I love singing, mm-hmm. I just kept it for home. I didn't want to go out there. I actually never wanted to go out there and, and display my talent at all. I remember one time in high school, they, they, they shoved me into this talent competition and it was traumatizing for me. I, <laughs> you know, but I, I pushed through because, you know, I have the tendency, even when I'm traumatized, people wouldn't know, you know. I'm a good I'm a good actor. Yeah, very good. So I came second in that competition, by the way, you know. Okay. And what did that do for your confidence at that time there? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just glad it was over. Like, seriously glad it was over. Because as I said before, I was never interested in going out there to sing. I love singing. But it was just all about me singing on my veranda or in my kitchen or my bathroom. And my, my sister, I had another sister that we used to sing like and do harmonies together on the veranda to all the songs on the radio and stuff. But that was it for me. I, I never thought of going any further with it. Yeah. So when did it actually start to take hold of your life and you started to move towards getting in the industry? I did not move towards it. That same sister that, um, that I used to sing with, she, when, when we were all grown people now and she had moved out and she lived on her own, she became neighbors with Tinga Stewart. And Tinga Stewart now, um, she, I guess she just was messing around because in my family, my mother and father weren't into the children getting involved in stuff like that. You know, it was all about the, the typical lifestyle and whatever. You know, even though my father was a jazz musician in the army, okay. you know, he was a jazz musician in the Jamaican army too. So, um, but they never wanted that for us. So, you know, it was my sister now. She jokingly, I guess, said, it, um, said something to Tinga. Said, oh, my little sister can sing, you know, you should hear her out. Tinga took it and ran with it and said, okay, I'm going to give her an audition. So when she came to me, you know, and said, okay, um, Tinga so wants to give you an audition. I'm like, oh, who? <laughs> 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 and that was how it happened. You know, he, he took me to Pentos. That was my first time going into the studio, doing anything at a professional level, you know. And, and do, I mean, going in front of all these big stars and stuff, that was my first time. So. I was dragged into the music. Do you remember what you sang at that audition for Tinga? Actually, it was a brand new song that he was recording. Um, I think he had recorded it in Miami. And then he took it down to, to Kingston, Jamaica, to do, yeah, I guess, some overdubbings and harmonies. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called... Mm, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Love Again, mm-hmm. Love Again. You should look up that song. You have never heard Tinga sing like that before. It was kind of like an R&B 
kind of soul kind of song. It wasn't reggae. Mm -hmm. It was like really amazing. And actually my sister and myself, we went around there to do the harmonies together because that's how he was giving me the audition to do harmonies really. It wasn't to sing as a lead vocalist. Okay. So I guess Tina must say, yo, you know, we can get some free harmony off our audition, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Tina put me and my sister around there in the booth and my sister at the time, she was, you know, she, she's very bougie, you know? And um, she was working with um, tele telephone company at the time. You know, she was in a top position at telephone company. So when they were, when they kept on, the engineer kept on telling, telling us to stop and start, stop and start, because she was more a little slow, she got a little ticked off. And, mm. you know, in these exact words, she says, oh, I don't need this. I, I never came here for this. I don't need this. So I am not about to let anyone um, stop me and start me all over again. I'm getting out of here. So she left me alone around there. And... I ended up doing it all by myself in like no time. And Tinga was so impressed with that. He ran with it. And he took it to the likes of like Boris Garden and Roddy Thomas and Derek Harriot and uh, quite a few people, Sugar Minot, you know, Charlie Chaplin, uh, you know, quite a few people. And then everybody just swooped me up under their umbrellas and that was it. So it's like you, you got into the music industry by accident. You had the skill, but you didn't have the will to want to come in. But your sister pushed you in and then she left you in there. I'm never tell you. She just dragged me and just drove me out there to the, throw me out there in a little pen. Because she not even realizing how, how rough music is. So she just dragged her little sister and just throw it in a little pen and then leave me there. And it's like, oh, MG, but... You know, it was it was pretty amazing, and there was where it all started, as you say, by accident. Mm -hmm. What was it like hearing yourself actually on a recording? Now, besides you and your sister doing it live and stuff like that in the backyard, what was it like to hear yourself on a recording? Um, the first time I heard myself on recording. I'm not even sure how I reacted. I think I freaked <laughs> because that was like me. And then, you know, when you do harmonies, you stop them. So if it's you alone, you end up doing six vocals and six, three different vo voices and stuff and three different uh, notes and stuff. So it's like, wow, that's me. Like, oh, cool. That's so cool. You know, and the first time I heard myself on the radio, big things. Big things, everybody in your car. What the fuck are you And what year did that song actually come out? What year is this? Uh, that song came out 1989. Yeah. So that was your, your venture into the business. Okay, Tinga took you. You guys did the harmony and stuff. What was your next move in the business? Then? My next move? I didn't make any move. You know, the moves were made for me. As I said before, I was dragged into this thing because after thing I ran with it now, like, uh, as I said, Boris Garden and all these people, they took me under their wings and they started doing studio work with me. And then Boris Garden started taking me out to do events with him, you know, as, as a background vocalist and also to sing with him live on stage and stuff. And 
So I did quite a few events with Boris Gardner. Um, I, I ended up getting involved in doing like radio commercials <clears throat> and even TV commercials and stuff. There's one in Jamaica that still plays up to this day where it's Nadine Salalan and myself. From north to south, east to west, <laughs> island there is in Jamaica. Bed. You know, so, yeah. So and then after that, um, you know, as I said before, Tinga also introduced me to Sugar Miner, Charlie Chaplin, um, Tristan Palmer. You know, a lot more people out there, and they also took me under their wings. So I had so many mentors, you know, so many people that were watching over me, protecting me, and making sure that I got this thing right and the world works. And you know, the, and and it just started off from there. And then after that, um, I don't remember how I met Toots from the Maisel's son, his son, and he made me do an audition with his sisters for the group 5446. And 5446, no, because of 5446, no, I ended up singing with Toots as a metal. So a whole heap of things. Trust me, we, we would take days for me to tell you all the different things that transpired. Mm -hmm. So, wow. So you're meeting all this. Well, all of this is happening. Do you consider this a career or are you just doing this whenever it came, came around? I think I was, <clears throat> I think I was in a, a more euphoric state where it, it was more surreal to me. So I, was, I, I wasn't even sure if it was a career. I wasn't sure of anything. I was just going with the flow. You know, I just kept on just moving, 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 and that was it. And did your sister ever come back, or she was just gone and never came back? No, sir. She, didn't, she could have had a week that. <laughs> she said, oh, no, this is not for me. This is so not for me. Yeah. Okay, so then you met Toots. You're in the... You're in his um, band now, okay? So you're doing background vocals live for him. Yes. Okay. Was he the first person you actually traveled with? Yes. Okay. He was the first person that took me on tour. Where did you go? Where was the first place you went when you left Jamaica? The first place I landed was in Manhattan, New York. And um, when, I mean, I felt like I was... In heaven or somewhere, clear bright lights, and that was my first time in America. You know, so it was like big things for me. Winter coat and them something, there, you know, like Oliver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. From before we even leave Jamaica, we had a winter coat. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, Manhattan was the first place I landed that, and and because of that, I have this special love for Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that, that's your first. You always remember that part there in particular. Yes, and, and, and I think it's such a lovely place, you know, to go to anyway. Mm -hmm. Very stimulating because there's always something to do, always something to see. Yeah, and they never sleep. Never. All right, so you're now on the road with Toots. What was your first tour like with Toots? Because remember, you said you're shy, you don't really like all. How did you handle being on the stage, especially with such a star like Toots? Well, you know, the good thing about it, you know, I, I was young and I was shy, but Toots, uh, he took me in like another father figure, you know? Mm -hmm. 
apart from my father, he was like another father to me. So, I mean, he actually introduced us because it was myself and his two other daughters, you know? So we, we were considered like a family. So he introduced me like his youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he kind of pet and pulled on me while I was out there and whatever. And you, I realized then that I, I had an innate ability to perform mm-hmm. and that I was very quick at what, you know, at, at, with, with the whole music thing and all harmony thing because to work with Toot, it's not a simple thing. Tut is a very complicated individual when it comes on to music. And if you are not good at what you do, you cannot stand up to it. You, you, will, you will feel as you go in. So that's when I realized that, hey, I'm good at this. You know, I'm really cool. So yeah, it, it was basically smooth flowing. Do you remember one show in particular you did on that tour that always sticks out in your mind? You mean in the early stages? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I I wouldn't say one show. I think all the shows stuck, you know, stuck out in my mind because he never did any one show the same way. Any show the same way. He always did a different show every night. Mm-hmm. And different and the audiences were so um involved and you know, his audience was we're, we're not Jamaicans, you know, they were more foreigners, you know. So for me, that was, you know, the first time being around so many, what would I say now, you know, Caucasians and stuff like that. So I guess just that whole tour and, you know, just going to different venues and stuff and the whole work, I think everything just, um, just stayed in my mind up to this day. Got you. You did that first tour there. Everything is good. So then now, when you got back to Jamaica, what was the next, what happened next from there? Oh, my goodness. I'm getting old, you know. You think I can't remember all I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened next? Um, yeah, I got back into my thing, you know, doing my stuff with Boris Gardner and all of them and stuff like that. And I just kept on moving. Um, and, and then at the same time, while we were touring with Toots, I was actually touring with his daughters at 54, 46 mm-hmm. also. And um, they had a number one song on this chart called Top of the Pops chart in London. Mm-hmm. So we had to be traveling to London to do Top of the Pops and stuff like that. And the whole works. And, and then we, when we came back, we were traveling the islands doing, doing our own tour. And it was just all over the place. And then um, after that, you know, we started doing, his daughters, we started doing a few stints on the North Coast in Jamaica, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, certain hotels and stuff and whatever. We didn't continue on that part for very long. You know, after a while, you know, that kind of died down. But that, that was basically it. Okay, so then now you're doing all this work with groups and everybody else. When did you start to actually get into a studio to start recording for yourself? While I was with Boris Gardner, um, Boris recorded uh, quite a few singles with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did a, a single with Derek Harriet. 
mm. alongside a collab with Eric Harriot. And um, I did, um, who else did I record for? Yeah, that was basically it. But mm. during that whole whirlwind of a life and the music and stuff, the Japanese came to Jamaica. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they recruited me as one of the vocalists that they want to work with. Mm-hmm. So then again, I ended up at Pentos again, because that was where the Japanese always were Pentos and Mixing Lab. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with those studios. For sure, 100%. Yeah. And, and so I was back and forth and studio them, and they started recording me as an artist also. You know, apart from me doing background vocal work for them, sometimes they recorded me as an artist. And they, they became so interested in me. It was a company called Takian Records. They were the ones that used to do the big festival called Japan Splash yes. in Japan mm-hmm. for many years. Um, their interest in me grew so much that they, they like merged. They became like a sub-label under Sony Japan. Okay. And Sony Japan started working with me also. So, you know, I ended up recording an album with them and stuff and whatever. And it, it was cool. It was like so cool. Mm-hmm. With um, Mariah Carey covers? Yes. Yes. And, and I mean, I, I had to be back and forth Japan. Like, it, Japan was like my second yard. You know, I had to be there doing promos and shows and stuff and whatever. And yes, that album did so well the first week it, it dropped in Japan that from what I hear, mm. you know, that uh, a little birdie told me that Mara Carey said that they should pull it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was doing that good. Mm-hmm. That's wild. You know what I mean? Okay. So you hear, and how long were you with that company for? I worked with them from maybe about 1990 to about maybe about 95. So you did a, a good stint with them. Yeah, because um, that is where Donovan Jeremy met me in Japan and recruited me to become a part of Penthouse. Okay, listen how crazy this is. You went to Penthouse twice, all right? Yeah. All right, that's cool. But it wasn't until you got to Japan where Donovan Jermaine, the same owner from Penthouse, recruited you. See him so. I, I, you know, it's like everybody, when they hear the story, they're like, you were just supposed to be at Penthouse, whether you like it or not. You were supposed to be at Penthouse because at that time, Donovan, I never saw Donovan Jermaine, you know, all them other times. And I, I don't even think he cared who I was. It's like, he was just... Donovan Jeremy. So when I was in Japan now, and I guess he saw me perform, that is when he said, uh, you know, I need to have a meeting with you. And that was where it all started. From there. Okay, so with Japan, and then we're going to go Penthouse one second. So you were like a bona fide star in Japan at that time. Yes. Yeah. I, I was working with one of the top artists, top reggae artists called Naki mm-hmm. at the time. And, and we had a major number one song with Sony Records to Naki and myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something special is called something special. How did it feel being like a 
superstar in another country, but then when you come home, you're just basically normal when you get back to Jamaica. How, how is that? Well, to tell the truth, I never even looked at it that way because everything just felt good to me. I, I never even thought about if the Jamaican people knew me or not. They knew me from my commercials and stuff on the radio and all of that. And there were quite a few, as I said, singles that I had done before. And those were getting little plays on like RGR and, you know, them little station until you hear yourself. But I, it never bothered me really, you know, because I was really cool with traveling. Mm-hmm. You were just happy to be here in this whole yeah. situation. You're just happy to be here. Yeah, because as I say, I never planned to do it. So with me just flowing like that, mm-hmm. hey, I wasn't complaining. Mm-hmm. I got you 100%. What was that conversation with Donovan Germain like? Short. But Donovan Germain is a man of few words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just got to the point. And he said, okay, um, you, know, like, you know, I saw you out there and whatever. And um, I, I, you know, want to know if you would love to be, become a part of the Penthouse crew. Mm-hmm. And for me here in Penthouse, it's like, I think maybe, maybe do that myself. <laughs> when I <heard> it. <laughs> like Penthouse, nobody can even get to, to Penthouse Gate. And I get it. And, you know, like an offer to join Penthouse. Yes, yes, yes. So you were between the Sony and Penthouse or your contract had finished and then you went to do Strictly Penthouse? Um, I never had a contract with Sony per se, mm-hmm. um, but because I was working with Tachyon, mm-hmm. you know, and I never had a contract with them either. We were just working. They just loved working with a set of us. And, you know, that was just it. They, everything, they constantly came you know, and, and give me, like, give me as one of the artists that I work with first priority. So when I went over to Germany and signed a contract with Pentos, it never affected anything. Got you. So, okay, so then your first real contract that you signed was for Pentos. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. This is where the story really takes off right now from the Pentos side of things. When you got to Pentos, who was there already as artists? I remember seeing... um. Cutty Ranks, um, Tony Rebel. Um, you see Marcia Griffiths coming and out. You see Barry Salmon coming and out. And um, Wayne Wanda. Wayne Wanda. For the most part was there um, when I just went in. But afterwards, um, Buju too. A lot of us will forget Buju. <laughs> <laughs> Buju was there. But he was like the young Buju. You never did break out like big yet like crazy like that he was like the young butcher that's wild there all right donovan germain said come you signed your contract you're in pentos what were some of the first movements you did when you got to pentos now hmm. as i said before i just flowed because um when i went in i guess when he just recruited me mm-hmm. He had me probably doing some harmonies, like in the studio and stuff or whatever for the, the songs in the studio. Mm-hmm. But then um, the first song he recorded with me was a song called, oh my gosh, it goes something like this. 
There's a danger in loving somebody. Yeah, so, yeah, and, you know, I recorded that. And after that, we just flew in because as soon as the rhythms came in, mm-hmm. everybody in there had to find something for the rhythm or you get left off of the train there, you know? <laughs> so that's just how it just flowed, you know? There was no, there was nothing in particular that you know no routine or anything like that we we just start go with the flow and vibe and thing and then it just took off from there okay and you were doing harmonies for other people plus you as a solo artist yes yes especially for bujo and we and stuff i was doing most of their stuff in the studio what was it like working with a young bujo and wayne wonder let, let me get to Wayne first. Wayne is a softer, sweeter type. <laughs> Wayne was easy. Wayne was so easy to work with and still is so easy to work with. Wayne is such a sweetheart. Even the other day we were talking and he said to me, Twiggy, you know, sir, you're one of the easiest birds to work with my sister. You know, he says to me, I've never had a bad day with you, you know. He says, you're always the sweetest person. So, no, no, it is there. But Bujo, Bujo sweet. But you know, Bujo, Bujo is Bujo. And he was like my testy little brother at the time. So, him would be so sweet to me. And then next time, he'd just come and just irritate me. And then when I get mad at him, he's like, I'm me, I thought it's a sweetie. Him come with sweetie, sweetie. <laughs> you know, but I, for me, from a musical perspective, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my mind was blown because they were they were just so good at their craft, mm-hmm. and they it's like they 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 could just move as quickly as that. And I, I learned that from them, mm-hmm. where you can't be a little slouch and act like you're free. Mm-hmm. You better be ready when the rhythm them come. Yo yo, you know. So that's the, and luckily my little boy side come out there, you know, because I was always like a little tomboy like when i was younger a girly tomboy mm-hmm. and you know so it's like that side of me came out because you have to be able to move with the boys then you know master griffiths was always one of we and you know she have somebody write her song or something like that me you know me never nobody write my songs for me and stuff so i had to move with the flow so watching me and Anbujo and and tony rebel and koji ranks and all these people it was like mind-blowing you know because they were like really excellent at their craft mm-hmm. a name you didn't bring up yet that i know did some recording over there was garnet silk what was it oh like yeah. garnet silk oh boy he wanted me to work everywhere with him and he wanted me he, he had me going on tour with him too also so look at this between him going on tour with him, going on tour with Pentos, doing Buju work, going on a work on my work, then flying over to go on tour with Toots <laughs> because I toured with Toots for like 23 years of my life. What? Yeah, it was um, 2011 that I, that, that I, stopped touring now i said let me focus on me again and you know because when i was with him i wasn't really i was a meter mm-hmm. i was considered a meter 
So I was in the background as a myself. So just imagine me doing all of these people tours and you know being there, their supporting acts and on their songs in the studio. You know, because if you listen to most, uh, you know, the, the artists we're talking about now, most of these harmonies are me. Are most of Garnet Silk's harmonies for Penthouse or for most of his songs, period? About For Bobby Digital, Penthouse, anyway. You're the one doing the backgrounds. Flashing, dashing, restless sea. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> The whole wow. What was Garnet Silk like as a person? I I never knew much of that side of him because yeah, we, we, we worked together and stuff, but you know, I was always a one away girl, mm-hmm. you know, and still is. So even though I worked with everybody, I never really hang with them and know them lifestyle to a depth like that. I just knew them as the artists. Just like even Bujo. You know, mm-hmm. I never hung with Buju. The only time me and Buju used to communicate differently from when um, we were in the studio, mm-hmm. Buju used to call me six o'clock every morning and wake me up. <laughs> Tracy, get up. I said, why we are waking up so early? I wake up long time and write two songs and pray, read my Bible and pray, get up. <laughs> but apart from that, we never hung, you know, you know, I never hung with Wayne. I was always just a, a lone ranger in a, in, in, in a sense, you know? Yeah. So to tell the truth, if I should say what their personalities were like differently from my experience in the studio, I would be like. All right. Okay. So then this one memory with Garnet Silk that sticks out forever in your mind. Hmm. Just just how awesome he was as an entertainer and a vocalist Mm -hmm. really you know i mean he was a genius and a a powerful and awesome voice Mm -hmm. you know so that is what sticks out in my mind really that right there because you seem to have a super whirlwind career where it's like you're touring with other artists you're doing your own songs you're doing harmony it's like when did you ever have time to okay give me a minute here give me give me a break let me figure this out and then go again well whenever i went home (laughs) (laughs) whenever i went home that was when i just shut down locked down you know they don't see me at parties and a lot of social functions, you know. Mm-hmm. If if they see me at a social function, everybody say, Oh, it's here, I so have a poem. <laughs> <laughs> because I was always so locked away. So I got time to, to do me, but I was so young and vibrant at the time. So to tell the truth, me never feel like me get tired, you know. I was just, I, I just loved what I do. I, I love what I did. And the, the it just came out so naturally and so normally that I never stopped to think like, like I'm tired or nothing. I never, I never felt like that. From there. What came first, your album for Penthouse or the Penthouse Celebration albums? Penthouse Celebration albums. Tell me about those because, again, when we're just listening to them on a record, it sounds like it's crazy vibes in a studio, but you were there and you were on these records. What was it like recording those there? Crazy vibes. <laughs> it was, it was, it was so cool. 
<clears throat> it was so cool. But you see, I, I can't tell you all the details because if I tell you all the details, I'm going to have to tie up in our basement. <laughs> Everybody wants to know the, the depth of the, 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 that dance hall thing. No, I'm not going to be the little snitch. No, you, you guys going to have to keep your imaginations rolling. But it was crazy vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. It was crazy vibe. And for, for the most part, when the mic I, I, I come around to you, 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 you get nervous, you know? Because you have to keep the flow. It's like everybody was flowing on the dance, the dance room, and everybody had come with some wicked selection. So you better come with a wicked selection to say, yeah, it was, for, it was a little nerve-wracking, but at the same time, it was just this, this little excitement, adrenaline, you know. It was, it was pretty cool, you know. I wanted more of it. Mm -hmm. How many of the albums were you on? Um, I think I was probably on more than maybe four of them or so. Okay. I, I'm not sure how many parts there were, to tell you the truth, but I think... If I if my memory serves me right, uh, about three or four of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So you did the Pento celebration. Now it's time to work on your album. What was that like? The album itself wasn't a lot of hard work because it was it was songs that I was doing over a period of time, mm -hmm. and you know they weren't like released or anything else. So they were basically compiled. And um, I just added a few more tracks, you know, to, to, to make it up. But it was pretty much an easy, you know, an easy task. Mm -hmm. And that was good to go. Because I know you have a song with Wayne Wonder, and I know mm -hmm. you have a song with Bojo. Which one came first? Bojo. Tell me about that experience here, because that, that right there, that's a big song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was a big song. That is still a big song. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember when that Redeem dropped in the studio, you know, and everybody had to be writing, doing their stuff or whatever, and, you know, that chorus line just came to me. I want your love. Need you now? Yeah, so and I, I, I think I wrote that song in like ten minutes, and and I went around there and recorded it. Uh, I guess in less than, I guess in less than half an hour or so, too, you know. And then um, I guess Budji became excited about it, and you know, but you know, he also has another song on that rhythm too. Um, um, he has an, he has another song on that rhythm too, but he he loved my you know what I had to offer and you know just enhance it. And what did that song do for your career at that time? There, that song just made a lot of people know the voice. Mm -hmm. They knew the voice because a lot of them did not know the face or even the name. Mm -hmm. They just knew the voice because that song went worldwide and I mean everywhere everywhere I sang that song people were like 
it was crazy. You know, them time they you're going at a dance, them like a club, like a club concert or something. Mm-hmm. And we draw that song that you only see some big fire around at the back. <laughs> I <hit> your <pole. laughs> I think I think the first time I heard that I was getting ready to run. But then I'm like, oh, oh, okay, it's a part of the thing, it's a part of the thing, relax, you know. Yeah, um, it, it, that made a lot of people start getting, uh, like, like curious to know who is this girl, you know, because I wasn't really promoted as a face so much. Mm-hmm. You know, some people knew me, but for the most part, a lot of people knew the voice. It's the voice. That was, especially back then, where there's no real internet or anything. It's just, mm-hmm. if I see you in a paper or on a show or something, oh, it's her. But generally, you wouldn't know. Exactly, exactly. And especially somebody that's done so much work up to that point, it's almost mind-boggling how people wouldn't know the face. Oh, yeah, it, 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 even now, a lot of, even now, a lot of people are just learning who I am. And, you know, they see me, some people, they see me on the internet and they're, they're following me. And then when I put up one of my old songs, they're like, That's, uh, let me hear a joke. Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend in England, right? I met her in London years ago. Um, I was around Papa San at the time. And, um, you know, I went to her, a concert at her church and, you know, she just took to me and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she know said, me all the thing and me have all the thing and stuff, but she never knew the depth of who I was. Do you know that there is this new song that I have, right? And I, get, I got a write up in the star, the Jamaican star last month, you know, on the song. And the writer, you know, Ralston Barrett, big up yourself, um, he made notes of some of my hits, just some, maybe about three of them. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend called me the next day after I said, come out, and she said, Girl, I have a joke to give you. And I'm like, Who was that? She's like, You know, oh, we just talk to each other, but we don't really care about each other business and whatever and i'm like yeah you know don't we just love each other regardless of what mm-hmm. she said well i i was reading the newspaper and i said let me go check out the name of these you know these songs that i see my top out and she said girl i never know she said i am no and she said i'm blown away but here the bigger joke, my husband, when we just got married, he heard, um, I, I don't remember where we were, and he heard my song that says, um, where did the love go? Yeah. So he said, he says to me, I love that song, yes, man. And he was just singing and dancing. I, I think we were in the house and he heard it on the radio and he was singing and dancing. And I'm like, yeah, I love it, man. And he, him say, you know, some love a song for years. I always like, hear this song, I dance and stuff. I do not know who sing it. Somebody said to him, say, you're kidding me, right? Him <laughs> said to me, say, no, no, Marie, because I'm Marie in Calvin. No, Marie, I don't know who sing it for real. I'm like, stop joking. He says, no, I'm not joking. You know who sing it? <laughs> I said to him, I said, it's me. 
Empfehlend. That's so obviously he knew that you're a singer and what you're doing, but he just didn't know that song in particular is, was your song. He never knew the depth because what a lot of people say about me, and I know I'm like that. Mm-hmm. I am so humble and modest, and you know, so <clears throat> I'll be in a crowd and people don't even know I'm there because I do not have I do not go with any hype and I'm I'm not a diva. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying hi to everybody and I'm smiling with everybody and, you know, not acting like no star or nothing. So a lot of people tend to overlook me. Even, I have to whisper this part, even in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> they, think, they think I'm a housewife. And they'll invite you over for some tea and crumpets one at a time, all the women in the neighborhood. So, hey, just come join us. You seem like you have nothing better to do. I know, I know. You know, your husband is at work, so come and just, you know, enjoy yourself because you're just there. And sometimes I'm not even here, you know. Sometimes I'm away and fly all the way over. But they think you just locked up in a house. Oh, you know, you can come and hang and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's a big deal. I know, you know. I think, you know what, I think you like it that way. That's almost a superpower for you where you could still be somewhere and still be normal. But then when you hit the stage, that's when everything explodes. That's what, that's what everybody says. Because I say, I like to be, no, but there, there are quite a few people like around me, even in my neighborhood that knows. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my husband swore them to secrecy. But it's like, if you feel like when you go outside, you know, all eyes are on you, and I hate that feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. I just want to just be me. I just want to just chill and, you know, just talk to people. And, you know, the other day, one of my neighbor's wife, he knew, but his wife didn't know, you know? And she took me, she took me somewhere. And she said, when she came, I just said, her husband said to her, I said, my sweetie, I drive with. <laughs> and she's like, I'm Fred's wife. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. <laughs> that excitement mm-hmm. you know around her she just so normal and so chill and, and that's exactly it i just like to just be easy going you know? easy going 100 percent right all right you told me about the bourgeois now the wayne wonder this was more of a international market this song came out on no more at that mm-hmm. with wayne wonder how did you guys come up with that song there that song oh my gosh the rhythm drop mm-hmm. And I just say, everybody again, I come. I don't even remember how we and I came together to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I just know one time, I remember we and I sitting on the steps of Entos and working on that song, but I cannot tell you exactly how and when that idea came about. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just know we were there and when we redeemed job, you know, I guess I heard a part and then we didn't hear something and him just sing it and the two of us just started just putting our thing together and just made a whole song, you know? You're right. One name we forgot to bring up that was at Penthouse too, Beres Hammond. 
I, I said very salmon earlier. <laughs> I said he was passing through at the time with my mother said, your face. Yeah, man, would you, oh, you always oh, forget very salmon. How is it now? Remember, how is this now linking with somebody like a Barris Hammond? This is Barris we're talking about, you know, boss. And guess what? Me don't feel tour with him too. Lot of Barris. Everybody had me. Everybody wanted me. You know, I have no idea why, but everybody wanted me around them to to do their stuff and their tours and their whatever. So I was touring with Barry Salmon for a short period, also. And this was while he was at Penthouse. Uh, well, while me at tour with Bujo, you know, to everybody, toots everybody. This is this is crazy. I knew your work was extensive. But I didn't realize it was this extensive. Trust me, sometimes I have to remind myself that it's this extensive. <laughs> <laughs> because, okay, I'm going to read out a list for you. And I'm going to mm-hmm. see if, if you realize how much work you did, okay? I know okay. you did backing vocals for Burning Spear, mm-hmm. Steel Pulse, mm-hmm. Barris Hammond, Luciana, Garnet Silk, Marcia Griffiths, Bojo, Beanie Man, Lady Sa, and this list just goes on. On and on, on and on. And, the, and these were all, for the most part, these were all in studio. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the road harmony um, never even, it wasn't even really listed there, you know? But the, most of these people were all in studio because uh, I became very, what would you say now? I, I became very much um, respected as a background vocalist and everybody wanted me to be on their work, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I started out doing background vocals with the likes of like Pamal and Nadine Sutherland and JC Lodge and, you know, since slash Sharon Forrester, all these people and so I learned from the best. Mm-hmm. And plus I had an innate ability to do background vocals. But, you know, being around them and Clive Vaughn and these people working for all these international folks like Alpha Blondie, mm-hmm. you know, Pierre Paul Jack and all these people singing in French, singing background vocals in French, singing background vocals in Spanish, singing background vocals in Ivory Coast language, Swahili, the Japanese, the whole work. So I became respected mm-hmm. as one of the top, top background vocalists in Jamaica. And then on top of that, Bojo, you know, I did a lot of Bojo arrangements on his album, if you like background vocals arrangements. So, you know, Bojo never want to leave me an inch either. You know, it's like, so it, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on because a lot of the people in work, some of them I'll forget, you know, I used to have them written down. I, I, it's so much background work I've done that some of them, I, I went to hear the song and I said, wow, that's so like me. <laughs> and then they say, yeah, that's you. <laughs> yeah, wild. Because while you're doing all these backgrounds and stuff, you're still putting out your own songs, and they even there were hits too, like another song, Do Me Baby. Mm-hmm. That one there, we know it's a cover, but why did you decide to sing that song there in particular? I don't even remember, you know. Um, I, just knew, I just knew I loved that song when I was a young girl. Mm-hmm. There is a something about that song, and the funny thing is, uh, Lord, uh, no, I don't want to tell you this because it's going to be a little bit too TMI. 
<laughs> but at the time when I even did, I want your love and do me, baby. I was so innocent. Mm -hmm. I never even had a boyfriend. <laughs> I, I, it was crazy, you know, but I just have this thing where I do me, baby was one of them songs that I used to hear it on the radio all the time, you know? It's like, Lord of mercy. I saw, when I heard Freedom Blues Rhythm Now, you know, us Jamaicans, we, we, every time I think about it, I have to laugh because I'm like, us Jamaicans, we can take a song that's well arranged and composed and put it on a two card. And then when you listen, it's so wicked, like, <laughs> like the two cards just change with, with the, the, the notes and everything. And it's like, okay. So when I heard that, no, I'm like, okay. Okay, everyone is like, I don't know. Do me, baby, just get my head. And I'm like, no, baby. And I'm like, it's working, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Another hit, and this one was off of the same album here too. The song is called, Where Did You Go? Where Did The Love Go? Okay, where did the love go? Mm -hmm. I am sure a lot of people don't believe this, but I wrote this song when I was only a teenager. I wrote it because, all right, when I was younger, mm -hmm. you know, from age five, I was writing, you know. I was writing poetry and I was writing songs and singing them in church. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was constantly writing because I was so well read as a little youngster because I started reading from really early. Okay. My elder sister had given me my first big book to read at probably age two. So, and you know, so I was always reading, 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 reading. So writing became such a big part of me, you know? Mm -hmm. So when, when I was in like in high school, I was, I was like into the whole writing thing so big that I remember sitting down and we used to read, um, a lot of meals and boons and, you know, them kind of books and stuff. And I remember just sitting down one day and just feeling like I should write a song. And that song was just for my vivid imagination. Because me have imagination when I stop yesterday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drive myself not just imagining stuff that don't even happen yet. And then afterwards, I said to myself, but we yesterday told yourself why it never happened. <laughs> yeah, so... My vivid imagination, I had that song sitting down for years. So when I was at Pentos now, and I heard, you know, the tempo rhythm. No, it's not tempo. Uh, oh my gosh, the some, 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 some. Oh, I can't remember the rhythm name. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, and I started like vibing that song on it, and it worked, and it's like, yeah, so I wrote that song from I Was Way Young before I even knew I would even get into music. So that song was like preparation already, and it never even know. That's that's wild, just to know that. But again, your your gift is not only your voice, but I think it's coupled with imagination, and that's where the magic happens right there. Yes, because a lot of times I write songs, and they have nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. I, I write songs from what I see around me. Also, I write songs from, as I said before, my imagination. And I write songs sometimes from just a vibe, you know? I'll just watch something and then I'll see, I, I hear something and it's like, 
just from what I heard out there, I might see a little butterfly just pass me, you know. And I just write a song, you know, not necessarily about the butterfly, mm -hmm. but so the butterfly floats into the air and, and then it just becomes this whole song and it's like, okay. You know, so that's what, it's a little gift that I have because even in high school, I wrote two books while I was in high school. Yeah, and one of them was a romance novel. And as I said before, I was an innocent child, mm -hmm. very much a virgin and no boyfriend. And I wrote this build and boom type of book. And, and, and it, it circulated around the school. Everybody wanted to read it. Mm -hmm. I don't know it got lost somewhere or somebody steal it or something, but maybe it's a bestseller somewhere out there, you know, and I don't even know because you know, at that time you just write. And them time they put like like maybe three or four hardcover books together mm -hmm. with elastic, you know, to keep it together and, and, and just wrote a book. And then I, I wrote a book of jokes because I'm a serious joker. I love yeah. to talk. <laughs> You should probably know that by now. I love to talk and I just love to laugh and I love to make others laugh. So I'm always talking crap. So I used to just write, I just wrote a book of jokes. I don't know where that ended up to. So, you know, as you say, it's not just the, the, the voice and whatever, but the gift of writing and my imagination and stuff, you know, it's like, it, it, my imagination, you know, gets me into a lot of trouble because even with my husband, he would sit down and listen to a song and say, so, oh, you're right now, and therefore. <laughs> I mean, I said, we never write it for nobody. But so wrote the song, the song, so, yeah. I, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. You know, it's a gift, it's a blessing. Definitely, and I see you like to exercise it, because this is, this is what you do. So even with the album, what did the album do for your career at that time there? Um, it just made people know more of my work mm -hmm. and um, it opened up the doors a little bit more to, you know, tours, you know, with me being like, a, you know, one of the artists on stage or whatever, because they realized that, yo, she have a catalog that extensive you know a lot of people still do not know much about my catalog but when they hear my story and they go in and they check it out they're like i remember this guy i did an interview in london and this guy calling on the radio and he said yo on a catalog she have you know a lion London." <laughs> <laughs> You know, so yes, it made people know more about me and stuff. And, you know, the name started circulating a lot more. And, and during them time, you know, they record for Bobby Digital, too, you know, record for um, Fatis, too, you know, uh, they record for High Power Records, they record for all of the brand name producers them out there. And, and they had several hits with me also. Okay. So then. Let's go visit some of those guys here. Somebody like a Bobby Digital. What was it like working with Bobby? Bobby was so cool. Bobby was so easy going. Bobby not really talk much. You know, you always see Bobby, I'm just looked like he begs with you. <laughs> but, 
But he was he was like in there toe to toe with you when you're recording, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he was right there with you, and he was a very pleasant person to work with and stuff. I mean, Bobby loved you. He really loved you. And I remember he was the first person that called me to record a song for him and actually came with a contract and paid me. Okay. You know, Alika Smiles for the song for him and thing. And, you know, we started a, a relationship there and, you know, we became really bonded after a while. You know, I did a lot of stuff for him and, and a lot of vocals, background vocals on his projects also. That's where I guess you did the background vocals because it could have been either one or two. It would have been either Bobby Digital or Fatis where you did background vocals for Sizzler. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I did quite a few of Sizzler songs and two, yeah, there. Got you. Another name you just brought up was Fatis. What was it like working with Fatis now? Fatis was our next one away one, you know? I, I work with all the people that everybody was scared of and everybody was free, afraid to approach. Mm-hmm. But they were all so sweet to me, you know. I don't know who would come and just was like, it's like a maga picnic, oh gosh. <laughs> you know, they could just be nice. Right? They were all so sweet to me, you know. Um, so, Patty's never talked much either. Patty's usually look like a bad thing. Not to me, you know. But they used to just, oh, that's how he used to move. When, when him there around me, him always end up laughing or giving a joke at some point, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I could pull that out of Patty's a little bit, you know. Um, but he was an next one that was very, you know, in-depth and, and, and stuff. And it was all about his, his, his vocals and, and the, 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 the productions, you know. He was into that. A lot of people don't know that working with Fatis, I did a collab with Luciana. And Luciana was bothered. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's why. And the funny thing with it, I just seen Luciana post something today, say that he celebrated his 30 years in music. Yes, I saw it too. I saw it too. So that means send me older than Lucy. We got me about 32 in night now. That's so wild to think that. Yeah, that's crazy. This is somebody else where you now went like basically across the aisle. Shocking vibes. All right. How did you link with Patrick Rabbits over with Shocking Vibes? Well, when I just started going to Penthouse, mm-hmm. Shocking Vibes used to work out of Penthouse. Mm-hmm. So we, when Patrick Roberts and, and Beanie Man and Tonto Metro and, and Nico Kirk and stuff and all them used to come through, we were all like a family. You know, because Patrick is such a joker too, you know. He, he is really, really mischievous. And mischievous. Oh, wow. Mischievous. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, we, we were just one big family. And then eventually um, there was music works across from Pentos in the same yard. So after music works, uh, after Gussie left and went on to build an empire down the road, Patrick Roberts took over that building. So we were always side to side, hanging with each other, being a family and stuff. And so I used to go over there and direct her like her. And I, I, I don't remember if I recorded um, 
no getting over that rainbow or I want to run to you. Ooh. A lot of people don't even know them chucking by song there. You know? They chucking all the rhythm, they go, um, oh my gosh, it was one of them simple rhythms. Mm-hmm. I know but yeah so you know we were just working with each other and then when talking vibes now moved their headquarters and went to build their empire further up the road you know i was still around them from time to time and then after i left penthouse you know chucky vibes grabbed me again you know Mm -hmm. so you know they they it, it was like smooth. It was so easy working with Patrick and, you know, the Sucking Vibes crew. Because I know one song in particular, I even had to go back today and listen to it, was uh, the Beanie Man song. Um, bounce, 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 bounce. <laughs> but I got them to believe me one. Yeah. <laughs> When I went back and listened to it, I said, holy smokes. Uh, you know when you listen to a song and you just hear it in passing, but then you really mm-hmm. sit down and listen to it. I said, listen, this is really twiggy. It's almost like that song was almost like a combination song with mm-hmm. you and him. Mm-hmm. And actually, I started out just doing vocals, but then by the time we're done, Patrick never said, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, sir. This, this, this is like a, com- a combination song, yeah. And a lot of people all over the world that like, hears that song. And when they find out it's me, they say, yeah. They always speak of it as a combination song. You know, which other song, which, which that one I can understand. But there's another song that I did that people consider a combination song. And I'm like, it's not a combination. I did, I did turn on Bobby Jean Shaw for Mikey Spice. And everybody plays that song mm-hmm. as a combination song. And I'm like, <laughs> if we didn't know say a combination, we would have to do some like extra special things. Mm-hmm. You know, but <clears throat> it, it, so yeah. You know, I have the tendency to to overwork myself sometimes. <laughs> You're doing all of these great things here and all of this whirlwind. At what point did you learn the business of the business? This is going to come as a big surprise, mm-hmm. but it's not until um, in the late 2000s. The late That's how I learned the business, yeah, because when we were younger and just doing the thing, it's like nobody was guiding us, you know? And I know I'm not the only one in the business that, you know, can say that. Um, we all went through that. There was nobody guiding us. Nobody taught us that it was our business. You always hear the music business, but you don't think that's like me. <laughs> but you never know the depth of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was after years of going to your whole little stuff there, man. You know, little isms and schisms and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was when um, 2009, I produced, I self-produced an album. Mm-hmm. 
I was the executive producer and stuff. And that's when I started learning the real depth of the thing and publishing and, you know, copyright and the whole works and all these societies that you have to join to make sure you cover your grounds and stuff. So it was that project that actually gave me more insight. Because, yeah, when, when we were younger, we joined PRS in London and stuff and whatever. When I was basically it, you just know, say, everybody who joined PRS, you just joined PRS, but you really don't know why you really joining PRS and what to expect, you know? So it's, it's 2009 that I really got a, a quick a quick lesson mm-hmm. about the business. And, and that's when I realized, yo, you got to get it together. And there were a lot of things that were already, that were already messed up mm-hmm. that you can't even fix again. Some that you can still try to retrieve, which was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But then now when you started doing your own project, you realize you have to cover your ground. All bases. And this album that you're speaking about, this is the, the Sun is Shining Through album. This was more of an inspirational gospel album you're speaking about. Right. Exactly. So, you know, that I was, I was given the unction by the Spirit of the Father to do that album because a lot of people may know and a lot of people may not know I'm very close to my God. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up I grew up in the church. Um, you know, I grew up loving, loving the creator, you know, for who, whoever the creator is and whatever. And, you know, I've always had a heart for God. So in everything I did and still do, the most I got Africa first. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tried to stay within my boundaries. So I remember when I got the, the word in my spirit to do this album, mm-hmm. I was like, huh? Yes. I don't know. I, I've never produced before. I know I know how to do these things. I have never done a project on my own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but then how it happened, how I knew it was the most I got because whenever Father God give me any word and thing to do, mm-hmm. he always gives me the confirmation and paves the way. So when I'm like, okay, Father God, what do I do? I dreamt most of the songs on that album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Most of them, some in part, some in full. And I remember one in particular, The Sun Shines Through. Mm-hmm. I remember I dreamt that Benji Myers would help me with that. Mm-hmm. And Benji Myers, I buck up Benji Myers after years, whatever, and we said, Benji, would you? And he said, yes, when you ready, man. And it's egg, <laughs> and this is no lying on. <laughs> the exact way of my dream is something, maybe you have to tell Benji nothing. Benji just played it, something blew my mind, you know? And then, how far I got had it, he made every single person that did something with me on that album, they never charged me a dime. Okay. The only thing I had to pay for was just to, to get the copies and the, the CDs and register them and the whole works. But I never had to pay a dime for anything else. So it was an album that I had to do. And then 
you know, Father God gave me, kept on giving me instructions of what to do. And this is all in my spirit. Right? Not nobody had tell me. For sure. Kept on giving me instructions. Because I have a gift like that too. Mm-hmm. Where once, I, once I'm in that zone, I can hear from the Father. You know? And so it's like, you say, yo, this album, this is not for church people. This is for the same people that you're always performing from whatever. I needed a walk straight out. Okay, not for church people. I'm going to book up on two little church people. And then say, yes, if, yes, I you forget it. I'm okay, yeah. We want to do something funny, type thing. And then all of a sudden, we start going the way we got seven off ago, you know? And you know, that album was, he sent this, this at the time he was a big PR person from California, or, you know, Russell Gerlach and Russell Gerlach. Come and say to you, I want to help you with that album. And Russell Gerlach took that album. He sent me packages, maybe over a hundred packages. At that time, he used to have to send out the things to read and stuff. Yes. With all the radio disc jockeys and stuff, all the, all the radio stations and stuff. And, and just said, just mail them out. So I just had to put a CD in the package and just mail them out. That's all. And then somehow Russell Girl, like at one point now, made, made that, that album, like he took that album to, you know, like, I guess to the academy. Mm-hmm. And it was one of them what, that was like, how they call it now, before the, nomi- before the actual nominations, like was eligible yes. to be nominated. And trust me, where Father God did tell me that the album they did forgot mm-hmm. because of my disobedience and gone round this up with the church people. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just never got there. And so it's like, yeah, that was the album that I did. And, you know, you know, right now, as much as I fact, um, I got a message, uh, not a message, I got a, a letter. Mm-hmm. from Harifax um, in 2017 or 2016. And a message I said that someone actually like sang over one of the songs on the album, a white pop artist from Europe. Okay. <laughs> and we said, hold on, oh, you forget that. Where did you find it? It's music. You see, the trick with music is once it's out in the world, it mm-hmm. goes anywhere and you never know. Even right now, while we're doing this interview, there's somebody, even if it's one person in this world, listening to your songs and loving them right now, you know. Yeah, it's just like um, my song, It's Too Late from Penthouse, um, you know, on the champion rhythm. Yeah, It's Too Late. After It's Too Late, hitting Jamaica and in America and other places, Canada and stuff. Years after, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like maybe 10 years after, you hear, it's too late. Not yet, 10, maybe eight years. It's too late. i the biggest singer in Africa since the Beatles song called Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's still so huge there. That's what made Africans like love me. Africans like super love me. And then um, last year, some people from India find me and they say, yo, it's too late. It's like, it's a bill of years. <laughs> so just like you say, you know, you never, 
no, you know, you do one that gets up, man, you prank, and it go all over the place. Crazy, crazy. When did you, because I know you won a Grammy for um, works you did with Toots. When was that? Was that something that came lately? Yes, it was 2020. We got it in 2024. Yes, I got it this year, 2021, mm-hmm. for the 2020 nominations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. How did that make you feel to say, okay, this is Grammy. This isn't all whatever. This is Grammy. This is the highest achievement that any musical artist could get right now. What did that feel like? I, I was just in awe because um, Naya, as we called him, you know, he had, he had given me a little idea that he, he wanted to include, you know, a specific song, you know, goodness of fun. But I never followed it. Jamaica is saying, I'll bring it, I'll carry it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like, when, when uh, after he died, right, mm-hmm. he, dreamt, he dreamt me and I saw his daughter, his daughter, Liba, and myself talking to him. And he said, he said to both of us, I have a gift for both of you. And in the dream, I was saying to myself, even, even though he's dead, he's still giving, you know? And he says, you know, I have, I have something for both of you. And I woke up also in a dream and I was saying to myself, what would that mean? You know, what that mean? And then time I, I didn't even realize that um, he was going to be nominated or anything as yet. And so it's like, okay. So I pondered on it. I pondered on it and I prayed about it. Like, give me the, give me the weight name day. Let me know what this means. And by the end of the day, in my spirit, I heard it's a Grammy. <laughs> it's a Grammy, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So when I heard he was nominated, I knew that he was going to win. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Nobody could tell me nothing. We could have all gone bet some billions of dollars. I am dead up a win because I get it. And that's, that's exactly what happened. That's super well. I'm telling you, your journey has been so super amazing. And that brings us right to your brand new song that you put out in 2021. All right. When you think about it, when I think about you. And this is back at your original stable, Penthouse. How did you come up with that song? And why did you decide to do it at Penthouse? There you go again. Penthouse, Penthouse, Penthouse. Like Penthouse, tiny. <laughs> Um, oh, and I, you know, even when I wasn't there anymore, Jeremy and I were still working, you know, but a lot of people don't know, you know, because as I say, I don't walk around with a placard on my back and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time, just going to Germany and we just flew a scene, you know. So I remember hearing that rhythm and, you know, he, he actually gave me that rhythm and two other rhythms to, mm-hmm. to work with and stuff and you know i i did what i had to do and when i think about you as one of them another song from my vivid imagination Mm -hmm. you know because me never think about nobody you know i know if my husband here no he might say so it's who you did i think about (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right that's something like you really think about somebody you know and poor me I wasn't thinking about anybody. I was just writing the song and it just flowed like that, you know? So that's basically it. It was as simple as that. No big nothing, you know, just 
it. I just, that come to me and we just write it, you know? And, you know, Jeremy and I, we kept on working after that because even last year, you know, we were in the studios a lot too and a lot of people don't know, you know, we have other tracks that we're working on and stuff, you know, so Pentos and Twiggy, we just come in like a, a, a romance. <laughs> Trust me, your journey in this business has been nothing short of amazing. I got two questions mm-hmm. left for you, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, I should ask you this from the beginning of the interview. How did you get your name? Some KC boys. You know, because I, as I said, I was a little girly tomboy, mm-hmm. you know, and I am still a girly tomboy, you know. But I used to always hang with the boys. And so I was a St. Hughes girl, and, you know, Casey was our brother's school. You know, the Casey boys and, and me, we were very, very close, you know. I had a few JC and Calabar friends and stuff, but the Casey boys and was the main ones, and they... They called me Tweety because they say, you sing like a bird. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, sometimes them see me and we buck up in crossroads and, you know, Casey boys and brawling. <laughs> and I'm about Tweety, <laughs> you know? But it always sounded like Twiggy to me. It always sounded, so after a while, I said to them, why don't we change the name to Twiggy? Because it rolls off your tongue a little better, not knowing that there was another Twiggy somewhere out there, white Twiggy. Okay. It's until I went to London in 1990. Mm-hmm. And I was in the car, and people were flocking the car, saying, we want to see the Jamaican to you, we want to see the Jamaican to you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And they, they let me know, but she's an actress, and she's an actress, and a singer, and a model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were, they just, they were curious to see the Jamaican one. So eventually, that's why I changed the name, because if you notice, in my early stages, it, it was spelled T-W-I-T-G-Y. Yes. But then, after I found that out, I changed it to an I. So to avoid copyright infringement issues, you know? Got you. Amazing career. You've been all over the place. What corner of the earth have you not been to yet? Okay. I know I have not been to Dubai. (laughs) And that's where my music played on there, Mm -hmm. but never got on there. Sorry. And um, I've never been to Egypt, you know, that side. But everywhere else, I can basically say that I have been to, yeah. All four corners of the earth. Yes, yeah, a blessing, you know. That is insane. Insane. Listen, before I get you out of here, now the floor is yours. Any big ups, anything you want to say, leave some social media contacts, anything if they want for dub plates, anything. The floor is yours right now. Okay. And also, there was another song that came out in 2021 too called um, Never Let Us Down. Yes. It, it, yes. It, you know, that was done by a um, uh, UK producer and stuff. And, you know, it got Mad, a lot of business. Yes. And Mad Professor, mm-hmm. you know, I came out on his album Sister to Sister and also a song produced by Juba White and Simadon, you know, called um, Break Free, you know, came out in 2020 and stuff, and not, not more for come out with 2022, God's Will and stuff, and it, it's going to be 
a whole different ball game. You know, little dancer together come out back. You mean? Yeah, but to find me, you know, on my social media platforms, you know, including YouTube and, you know, I'm guessing my Spotify thing sorted out because, you know, it's kind of like some somebody has put it up. I didn't put it up, so I'm sorting that out. But everything is Twiggy music. Twiggy music except Twitter. Twitter is Twiggy Bird. So for Facebook, Twiggy Music, Twiggy. Um, Instagram, Twiggy Music. Uh, my YouTube channel, Twiggy Music. Every single thing, uh, Twiggy Music. If you even want to find anything on me, because it's a, I have a French guy that did my website for me. So it's a little weird how we did it. So most people, if they're looking up Twiggy, they might see the other Twiggy mix up with my thing. Look up Twiggy music, T-W-I-G-G-I-M-U-S-I-C music. That is what you look on Google and you will find everything. My website, my, 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 my social media platforms, anything Twiggy, Twiggy music. Just like that. Twiggy, get us out of here with something. Just give us some song before we go. In the pouring rain, the skies are blue. When I think about you, I think about you. In the winter clouds, the sun shines through. When I think about you, I feel warm when it is cold outside. When I think about you, I think about you. My emotions, I just can't hide. When I think about you, Ooh. And that's when I think about you, um, 2021 release, September 2021, Penthouse Records. Twiggy, this has been an amazing conversation. Just to see 5% into your journey was an amazing conversation. Thank you for sitting down with us today and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. And yes, that's just 5%. Because we never even go in depth. We're going to have to have a part two and three. And four. <laughs> yeah. The door is always open. And I'm definitely looking forward to speaking to you again sooner rather than later. Thank you. And, and, and you have a wonderful year ahead. And you keep up the good work, Zim. Keep on letting people know the good music and letting people know the artists out there that deserve you know, to, to shine a little bit. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let me give your outro and get you out of here for now, you know, okay? Uh-huh. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.